The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. A very exciting day for us here on SAP Game Changers Radio. This is the debut of Season 3 of Future of Business with Game Changers. Have to do a shout-out and kudos to David Fowler at SAP Services, our series sponsor, and this is Dave's 27th consecutive live show. Dave, you're my hero and my champion, and Dave is with me here on Twitter at Dave S. Fowler. If anybody wants to chat with him, we're chatting at hashtag SAP Radio. Let's get started. Today's buzz is cloud. Of course it is. IT professionals are wondering, they're scratching their heads, is this the end of the on-premise hard drive? Is that future insight? Why? Because in-memory computing, especially in the cloud, is starting to make major inroads into their IT landscapes. We have early adopters. They are excited. They are embracing this promise, and they're progressing very quickly from use case experimentation, dipping their toe in the water, if you will, to large-scale real deployments. They're revamping their IT. IT landscapes as well as their long-term strategies. Think about it. Just the idea of never having to do another major upgrade holds so much promise and excitement for them. Don't blame them, do we? But let's start from the very beginning here. Just like any journey, the journey to the cloud and in memory requires a roadmap, a detailed roadmap, a comprehensive one organized into realistic bite-sized pieces and work streams that align with the organization's business goals. Not so simple, but certainly doable. So the question on the table today is how ready is the cloud? How ready are individual companies? And to our listeners around the world, how ready are you to move to ever-fresh, ultra-fast, off-premise environments? Sounds wonderful to me. We have a great panel today. They're specialists. They're gurus. They have a lot of insights to to share, so stick around and listen up. I know you're going to learn a lot. First up on the panel is Jay Ford. I'll spell that in case you're wondering. It's F-O-A-R-D. That's an interesting way to spell Ford, and that's our Jay. He's a global practice manager for innovation topics at SAP. And Jay has sent me a quote from Abraham Lincoln, who would be somewhat shocked to find himself on a show called The Future of Business with Game Changers. The quote is, the best thing about the future is that it comes one day at a time. I want to say amen. <laughs> Jay Ford, welcome back. You've been on the show before. How are you, Jay? Good morning, Bonnie. Doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Talk to me. How did Abraham Lincoln get here? Let's get down to brass tacks. Well, the thing I love about this quote, and this really comes back to the point that, that, that you made about customers being able to gauge their readiness, to be able to gauge their maturity, their journey to the cloud. 
uh, to real-time computing and all the other innovation topics that are um, really a hot plate for a lot of um, a lot of customers these days. And what tends to happen is, you know, they, they look at it, they think, wow, how am I ever going to be able to transform my business to be able to get aligned with this new innovation and take advantage of these capabilities? And so, so you, you tend to see in the, in the vision world, you, you tend to see the forest. And, you know, what this quote is really says to me is that, you can you can take this on because everything's going to come one day at a time. It's gonna it's gonna come based on your first small steps, uh, seeing the trees instead of the forest, figuring out how to get on the path, and take those and take those days in order to be able to create your future um, uh, based on short and long term objectives. Thank you, Jay. Really good way of looking at it. I think we had a quote from Alan Kay on a show yesterday, something about the best way to uh, to make the future happen is to invent it. I think the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Probably very, very similar. Thank you, Jay. And uh, nice to have Abraham Lincoln on the show here with us, too. Let me bring on your second co-panelist. He's another returning guest. Always happy to welcome Alan Kranz. He's a principal analyst and practice manager for TBR's Cloud Practice. And Alan has sent me a wonderful quote from the poet Robert Frost, and here it is. In three words, I can sum up everything I've learned about life. Here are the three words. It goes on. Sounds like a light bulb moment from Robert Frost. Welcome back, Alan. How are you today? Doing great, Bonnie. Glad to be here. Wonderful. So talk to me. Robert Frost, how is he joining uh, you and Jay Ford and Abraham Lincoln on the show today? This is good company we're keeping here. Well, I think the thing about the quote that I like so much is that Robert Frost obviously has written a lot of very long and um, detailed poems and and insight into what he's learned about life through his writing. Um, But to really sum it up and be concise in a way that I think resonates pretty much with with anybody who reads it is that no matter what decisions you may have made in the past or good, bad, or indifferent, uh, either in your personal life or your business life, that Every day is a new day that no matter what you do, the sun will set, the sun will rise, and the pace of life continues. Um, and so you really have to, to make the best of each day. Okay. And, and how does that relate to our cloud topic and our idea that never will we have to do an upgrade, a major upgrade again? Uh, is this, a, this is good news. This is optimistic news for those in the IT world who are starting to plan their future one day at a time, Alan? I mean, I think re- really what they need to do is recognize some of the limitations that the, the past brings, but also, you know, not be limited by those. Really look for, as they do new services and new initiatives, what the best way to, to do it is. And I think more and more we're seeing customers say that the, the technology has moved on, everything has changed, we need to, to keep pace with that. Uh, and, and, and continue on in terms of implementing new things that we haven't tried before, because mm-hmm. no matter, you know, the time is now. If we don't implement these things now, our competitors are, uh, our customers are moving on, changing the way that they want to consume the things that we're delivering. Uh, and so you have to really capture that. So that's the danger of becoming a laggard, am I right? They don't want to be left behind and left out of the fun and out of the excitement and out of the opportunities. Yes? Exactly. 
Yep. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I have a quick question for you, Alan, before we bring our third panelist on. And uh, Jay can address this as well later on in, in this segment. Question is, these early adopters I mentioned, who are they? Are they, God, I hate to use this term, young Turks? Are they newbies? Are they data scientists who have sparkling cloud embroidered in their brain somewhere? Are they older IT professionals who are saying, oh, thank God, we don't have to keep doing it the same old way. Who, who are they? Where are they on the corporate landscape? Are they newcomers? Are they old timers? Forgive me for that. Uh, who have been sitting there in, in the C-suite high up or somewhere mid-management saying, yep, we, we really have to get on board. And they're the ones. Where's the push coming from? I mean, I, re I really think it is a mixture. If you look at any young company coming up today, the, the choice is very clear. If you don't have that legacy to, um, to deal with and to integrate into these plans, uh, there, there's no reason to go and, and build in a way that you would have done 10 years ago. Um, for the, the, larger, the larger corporations, I think a lot of it is there's been a disconnect between the, the folks that are charged with driving the business um, and putting new initiatives in place and uh, continuing to enhance the, the services that are provided to end clients. Um, and with these types of technologies, all of a sudden, they, there's more in their uh, sphere of influence and control than has ever been in terms of IT tools that, can, uh, that, that they can use to, to do their jobs better. And so I think a lot of it is, uh, regardless of age or kind of where they are in the, the status, this alignment around how can we do things more quickly that our customers recognize value in and that in the end help us uh, either grow more, do uh, more for less, um, all good things from a, a business perspective. Thank you very much, Alan, for indulging my question. Uh, Jay, I'll get to you in a second on that same question, but let me bring on our third panelist who is waiting so patiently. He's a newcomer to SAP Game Changers Radio. His name is Yofi Matthew. I'll spell that J-O-F-F-Y. He's a director of North America Services Demand and Portfolio Planning at SAP. And of all people in the world, Yofi has sent me a quote from Napoleon Bonaparte. Wow, what a great group of quotes we have today. And the quote is another three pithy words. Nothing is impossible. I guess Napoleon knew that. Welcome, Yofi Matthew. How are you today? Good. Uh, thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me. How did you pick this quote and how would it relate to our cloud topic? So Napoleon uh, always remarks that nothing is impossible and, and it is very relevant for today's topic. Earlier when with the old technology, when businesses used to have issues, we know that you know the resolution exists, but it is not really feasible to implement some of the solutions. Today, with the in-memory technology and cloud computing, we can say nothing is impossible. We can actually tackle solutions for the business problems, and that's very relevant with these technologies today. What do you think Napoleon would have said if he even knew anything about how we operate today in our modern lives, Yofi, in terms of being able to communicate with a little box held in our hands? Uh, imagine what he could have done with all of his war campaigns. Imagine it, it, with his hand inside of his jacket. We all know the famous picture of Napoleon. Do you think he was hiding an early iPhone, Yofi? You know what? He should have probably used technology more uh, than using the old, <laughs> you know, um, uh, old arms or whatever. Right? He was he was actually the the the, the captain or or the, the the major for their army. Right? So he would have probably used technology more. 
I think that would have been a good idea. Thank you very much. I never thought about what he was hiding inside his jacket. That's another whole other show. Let me circle back to Jay Ford. Uh, Jay, I'm going to ask you, of course, what's in your cup today? What are you drinking? But if you want to also address the question I asked Alan Kranz, who are these early adopters? Who are the, the uh, I won't call them the brainiacs, but I just did, but the people with the energy and the forward drivers saying, cloud in memory, yes, let's go for it. Where are they? Who are they? Sure. Good morning, Bonnie. So certainly I think that they are those that are thinking out of the box uh, but are also doing the diligence. I mean, they're, 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 they're taking the time to look across their, their business. They have a clear vision of where they're trying to take their organization strategically and tactically. Um, they're, they're working to get that, uh, that necessary alignment across their business and their IT, really get their arms around their technology and, and, and how they're, how they're going to be able to scale, um, and seeing that in order to be able to grow and do the things that they want to do, they have to take those first steps and they, and they have to be willing to innovate. Um, companies learn what happens when they get static uh, when they don't start thinking out of the box, they can become they can be, become obsolete quick, even the largest organization. Um, so companies know that they have to be um, more flexible, they have to be nimble, they have to be willing to uh, invest uh, and, and sometimes do what's necessary uh, to make the change, um, even if it goes against maybe some of those more established within their business, um, mm-hmm. but to make that change and, and to drive that and to drive things in a way that's going to give them um, what they need to move forward. Thank you, Jay. Now I have to know what's in your cup today, or what are you planning to drink after the show? Talk to me. Sure. So I'm, I'm drinking uh, tea. I typically have uh, um, green teas in the morning. And um, as we talked about on one of our other shows, I actually I, I grow it in the, in, in the garden. So I uh, have a tea tree and, and, and uh, cultivate our own leaves. And then I take it on the road with me when, or to the office, and, uh, and, and that's, what I, that's what I have on mid-morning. Jay, how do you grow a tea tree? I, I have tea tree oil. I have tea tree lotion. I have cream and lotions for the bath and for the shower that say made with tea tree oil. I didn't even know there was such a thing as tea tree. What does a tea tree even look like, Jay Ford? You know, it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. I, I uh, not surprisingly, I ordered it online and and uh, came this little this little shrubby looking. Um, thing that I thought would never never live a day, and uh, I planted it out in the garden, and now it's sprouted out, and, and you know I get leaves and buds, and the whole works from it, and uh, had to become a bit more of a connoisseur on actually how to uh, how to take the leaves and, and and cultivate them in the right way, but uh, um, it's uh, to me it has a better pressure uh, for, uh, taste, and I know that it doesn't have any pesticides or anything on it, so it's a uh, it's a healthy alternative. Perfect. And and do you buy the tea tree by the flavor? Do you buy a mint tea tree or a green tea tree? Is do they come in varieties, or is it just this is the tea tree? Deal with it. Yeah, no. It actually um, the, the the tea tree is the base, and then you can use that to make different types of tea. So you can make black tea, green tea, um, and then if you want to add jasmine or or mint or something to it, you can have that. You can grow that herb as well and and, and add it to it and, and get some different variety of flavors and textures. Fascinating. We had a guest on one show on Tuesday. I did two live shows for SAP Tuesday, and one guest said she's drinking camel's milk and that she was introduced to it by the Bedouins, and it has all kinds of different herbs and spices in it, and that they're actually now camel milk bars, places where you can buy it in the L.A. area, and that was news. And then we had somebody who was drinking warm goat milk during the show, and now we've got you with your own tea tree. This is a, a certainly a week for innovative drinks. Thank you very much. Alan Kranz, do I dare ask uh, you to top that one? I'll just say, Belmonte, I think <laughs> I'd stick with green tea versus camel milk. 
<laughs> I heard it was very comforting and very interesting. I'm with you, Alan. So green tea, what are you, what are you doing with the green tea? Hot, cold, you put anything in it? Tell me a little more. So, um, so I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum after that, uh, the whole grow your own tea. And I, I can't compete with that. So I, I drink a lot of tap water. And, and I want to highlight uh-huh. that because uh, there was recently a, a death of the inventor of the pet rock, and, and I believe that the bottled water industry is much like the pet rock, where everyone should do more drinking from their own tap, that buying a bottle of water for a dollar is essentially the, the modern pet rock where, uh, you know, he went out and bought a, a bag of, of rocks for $3, sold them for $10 a piece, um, and it really became a fad. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think tap water tastes great. Um, so I try to drink as, as much of it as I can. I usually drink about two liters a day. Um, wow. And uh, so that's just tap water. And, Alan, do you filter it? Do you put it through a Brita or anything or just straight out of the tap? Just straight out of the tap. And where do you live? What part of the country? I live, I, I live in New Hampshire. And um, ah. uh, I don't know, maybe it's fresher up here. You know, everyone I has this idea so. of uh, trees and mountains and streams. Um, so, and, uh, Poland Spring is pretty close by over there in Maine. Interesting, because I was drinking tap water for years and some friends just, uh, thrashed me out behind the barn for that. <laughs> How can you drink? That's New York. Well, I'm on Long Island, but it's very close to the New York City border. How can you drink New York tap water? What's the matter with you? And they bought me a Brita and I have to use it. And, oh, oh my God. I know, I know, I know. Refilling I just, that thing. I just, heard on, I just heard on Letterman that New York City had the best tasting uh, city tap water. Uh, they did a poll through a bunch of major cities, so you're in uh, you're in good hands in terms of the city well, water there. Well, I'm going to throw out the Brita after this. By the way, <laughs> Gary Dahl, D-A-H-L, was the inventor of the Pet Rock. He died at age 78. He yep. became a millionaire by selling ordinary rocks. He died on March 23rd. He was an advertising copywriter who thought up the Pet Rock way back in 1975 after listening to friends complain about having to care for real pets. <laughs> And he died on April Fool's Day. No kidding. April 1st, 2015. Bye-bye, Gary Dahl. It was nice to know you. Yes. Okay. And now let's see. Yofi Matthew. Well, we have quite a few stories under our belt already. What are you drinking today, Yofi Matthew? Yeah, before I say that, I actually did try camel milk um, (laughs) probably around 20 years back. Of course, with a lot of herbs and, you know, a lot of stuff in it. But I don't know whether I'm going to try that now. Well, what did it taste um, like? Was it good? Was it interesting? You know, they, they added a lot more stuff. So so the taste was, I, I don't know what exactly the pure camel milk tastes, but, you know, with all other stuff, it was okay. I'm glad. So what are you really drinking today? What, what well, do you I'm, like I'm to drink? I'm to drink something called mango lassi. Um, so let me explain how that is made. Yes. Mango pulp with uh, yogurt mixed, and, you know, we put a little bit sugar as well and maybe a little bit of water just to dilute a little bit. And when you mix it up, it really comes nice. It has got the mango flavor and the yogurt flavor. Um, and I, you know, sometimes I, I make it and keep it in the fridge so I can keep taking it a glass every day. 
That sounds very interesting. There's another new drink for us. Thank you very much. And as, uh, let me see now, David Fowler. Well, Dave had to come up with interesting drink number 27 because this is his 27th show he's sponsoring. So that was his big challenge today. In addition to a great topic and getting the three of you on board, he says, in my cup today, Starbucks flat white with sugar in the raw. I'm not sure if the sugar's in the raw or David's in the raw, but something's in the raw. And David, I'm glad you're with us. I'm chatting with him on Skype here. And David says, yes, Brad, our engineer says uh, pet rocks with googly eyes are amazing so we're having all kinds of conversations here anybody wants to join the party we are tweeting live at hashtag sap radio i know we have a young lady uh somewhere listening on listen only and whoever you are we'd love to see you tweet and join dave fowler at hashtag sap radio as some of my guests know they only let bonnie have anything without caffeine on radio show days so alan kranz i am relegated to filter of water but i have a green straw and and the green straw is for money, and I'm not sure why, but I just like green straws best of all the straws in the package. I just keep leaving everything else and picking the green ones. What can I say? We're having a really good conversation here today, uh, starting off our, our talk on in-memory and cloud computing. And the question is, are we there yet? Speaking today with Jay Ford at SAP, Alan Kranz at TBR. And Alan, shout out to your Patrick Heffernan and other of your, uh, your colleagues who are always so gracious to come on the radio with us. And our new panelist today, Yofi Matthew at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to the debut of Season 3, Episode Number 1 of The Future of Business with Game Changers Radio, presented by Dave Feller and SAP Services. We have a lot to talk about. You've heard of cloud. You've heard of what's happening with on-premise. You've heard of in-memory. We're going to give you a lot of good insights and information, so please don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business simplification, insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, business networks and supply chains, and the ever-present need for speed are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP Services. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of business with Game Changers. The future of business is today. We're talking about in-memory and cloud computing. Are we there yet? My panelists are Jay Ford at SAP, Alan Kranz at TBR, and Yofi Matthew at SAP. We're going to kick off our 30-minute roundtable. We have a lot to talk about here. Jay Ford, I'm looking at your notes you sent me before the show, and I think I have a fascinating place to start. You say companies have to prepare now, today, in order to drive the change they want to see tomorrow. And then you add the journey to the cloud is a journey. The only way to get 
get started is to take those first steps while planning longer-term courses of action. So how do we break down the journey? What do you advise companies? Jay, talk to me. Uh, thank you, Bonnie. Um, and to kind of come back to the uh, the quote earlier from, from um, Napoleon around uh, nothing is impossible, because I think today that is true. Um, I might be hesitant to say that was true 10 years ago or even five years ago. I think companies realized that a lot of what they wanted to do uh, was somewhat impossible to them, um, especially around being able to uh, have less, more simplicity inside of their, their landscapes to be able to trust security to know that they could move things into, um, into different data centers. Um, and so I think that because of the changes in technology and innovation, now is the time when, when anything is possible. Um, and, and companies, in order to be able to align with that, they really they have to go through the due diligence of taking the time to really reevaluate their business, uh, reevaluate what the technology and what the innovation can do for their business, um, understand the gaps, and then be able to put together that short and long-term comprehensive roadmap that's going to get them there in a way that's organized and has um, a way to be able to, to declare short-term wins. Um, of course, some companies prefer to go go with a more big bang approach, but a lot of it just depends on your the culture within your organization. Um, but what tends to make sense is for a lot of companies is you know this is where we are today. This is where we see the innovation can take our business, um, and then they put together how they're going to get there, and then they, they that that is the best quickest way to get onto the journey and take advantage of some of this new technology that can revolutionize their organization. Jay, is this somebody's job that gets repurposed, somebody who's already there, or do you hire somebody new and start a whole new department called the uh, um, Moving Up to the Cloud Department uh, 101 or something like that? What, do, do you start a brand-new group, or do you pull people who show aptitude in IT, who have a forward-looking mentality and who are talented enough to grasp the concept and organized enough to do what you say, this, this step-by-step planning? Who are these people? And, and uh, in a big company, where do you find these people, or do you bring them in from outside? Mm, that's a great question. And so it, it can be some of both. Uh, but what tends to happen a lot of times, we get we get quite comfortable in our in our roles. Um, I, I often say, pain, you know, corporations have a high pain threshold because they've gotten themselves mm-hmm. in pain. They don't even realize it because they've gotten so used to it. Um, and so sometimes it can be hard to get internal resources to think outside of the box, to not be cynical about what the future can bring them. Um, and it's good to be able to have uh, someone come in with a fresh perspective. Uh, the best solution is when you can get the two of those working together and get the lights going off because that way uh, people that really understand the business, they understand the processes, they understand the culture can align with those that kind of have a new vision or a new way of of, of looking at things and come up with really what's going to be right for the organization in a way that they're going to be able to consume. Thank you. Alan Kranz, want to hear what you have to say. Where do we get these people? Where do we find them? And you agree that it's a step-by-step, bite-by-bite, bit-by-bit journey? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of where these people come from, there there is no there's some emerging standards, but there's no very few uh, college courses, degrees, certifications that you can say these people are know how to do this. They can come in. Um, we, we know that they're going to be able to make this transition for us. And so, w- with that in mind, I think it's a mixture between certainly we see a lot of professional services activity coming in, doing workshops. Um, highlighting the what is possible, what formerly could have been impossible, what's possible now, and, and you start to, from the inside out, change that culture. I do think there is turnover in terms of some folks are not um, either incented or aligned or interested in terms of 
changing, truly changing the way that not just the technology that they work with, but the, the culture and the way that they're working with other groups within a lot of these organizations, um, they're, they're not going to be part of that journey. And over time, you know, you'll probably see attrition in a positive way in, in a lot of cases in terms of new people coming in, um, some that are stuck in the old model um, moving out. Um, but really it is about uh, retraining from the inside because there's not a lot of – there's no – one magic silver bullet in terms of these folks are ready to to take the journey to the cloud. Let's bring them in and they'll do it for us. Interesting. I'm intrigued when you said just a second ago, Alan, moving out people who are stuck in the old model. How bad is this resistance? What have you observed in in your clients and in your research uh, with companies around the world? Are, Are there stuck in the old ways who just simply say, no, I can't, I won't, I don't want to, and you just push them aside and say, well, the future is here, we're making it every day? What do you do with them? Well, I mean, I think there's, you know, a lot of it is this siloed approach to not, not only I'm in IT, you're in business, but I'm in the infrastructure mm-hmm. group. You know, we, don't, we do the infrastructure, the apps people do the apps, and so you end up with not just two silos, but multiple different silos within the organization. And with something like cloud, you really need – it's less about those silos, more about the, the business process and having uh, external resources – that provide a lot of what was once delivered internally. And so it's a different skill set to be able to broker different services, to uh, map them to the business process. Um, And so I think, you know, as the organization agrees on that long-term roadmap, um, there's, they, you know, the requirements flow downhill in terms of there's going to be fewer, you're going to maintain what you have a lot of times, um, but for any new service, you're not going to be providing requirements into the infrastructure group to go out and buy and procure that. So there's going to be a stagnation in terms of a lot of those roles. Um, and then you just get, you know, natural turnover, retirement, uh, that type mm-hmm. of activity that 10 years out, you're going to see a lot different culture for and a lot different employment kind of profile for a lot of these IT roles than you do today. Thank you, Ellen. So it's not just the journey from on-premise to cloud and in memory. It's the journey of the the people in the organization who are going to be moving in that direction. Uh, so it, we're really talking about parallel journeys. Thank you very much. Yofi Matthew, thoughts on what Alan and Jay have put on the table for us? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm, in, I'm in line with the, the, the thinking. Let's be very clear. Today's reality is cloud computing and in-memory technology. It, it's a reality. Now, mm-hmm. When, when it came as a new technology, there's always a lot of apprehension, a lot of concerns. But what we are seeing is slowly those things are getting elevated. People accept the fact that, yeah, we need to move into cloud. We need to adapt to in-memory technology. Um, and I, I agree with uh, Alan and Jay that, you know, there is initially some resistance, and, and then some people will automatically adapt to that technology. Some people will think that it's not, it's not uh, right for them, so they move out. That's a natural process. But off late, what we are seeing is more and more people and more and more organizations are actually embracing this concept of both in-memory as well as uh, cloud computing. So I, I think it, it is a journey. It is happening. It is, it is at least slow, but I think the momentum is picking up right now. And, and it's a good thing. You know, people are changing and organizations are changing, and those who cannot change, you know, try to move out. And, and I think it's a good thing. 
Thank you, Yofi. Let me ask you a question before I circle back to Jay and ask him to polish off this journey topic before I turn to some notes from Alan Kranz. Uh, question, Yofi. Startups, mm-hmm. are they embracing it right away because that's all they know? They, they don't want to look back over the shoulder of the learnings of bigger companies that preceded them. Are they coming out of the box, kicking and screaming and saying, cloud in memory, yes, this is going to be our mantra. This is going to be how we operate from day one. Any uh, comments on that? I, I think so, because I think it's easy for them to start because they are brand new. They don't have the legacy, uh, which, which mm-hmm. Alan was alluding to. So they can straight away start with cloud. They can straight away start with uh, uh, in-memory. And, and the benefit of moving to cloud for them is, you know, they can scale up slowly. They don't have to put the gigantic uh, infrastructure investment initially. So they can, they can grow on their investment as they grow their business. So, so for startups, I think that's a sure shot uh, 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 to start with, with cloud computing and in-memory. Thank you very much. Jay Ford, this was your topic. You want to just wrap up on the journey? Anything you want to add to what Alan and Yofi shared? Sure. So, I mean, certainly some great points. And, you know, I think it comes down to risk mitigation analysis, being able to really understand because larger organizations obviously can have a higher risk profile for trying to make change and transform their business versus a startup. So they, they just need to really understand that, get it all on paper, Think about what are the things that, that they consider to be risky and how do they offset that based on how they're going to how they're going to go on the journey. Um, Thank you. you know, and start. Yep. You know, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. You go ahead. I thought you were done. Please finish. Yeah. Well, and I, and I was going to say, and also really understanding and taking, um, being very realistic about what the transformation is going to look like inside of the organization. Um, and a lot of that just comes with being able to ask the right questions. You know, uh, mm-hmm. for, for instance, if you go out to a business user and say, if all of a sudden you had analytical insight to a transactional process, what does that mean to your business? And a lot of times the business users are like, no one's ever asked us that question, so we don't really know how to answer it yet. Um, so we, we've got to be able to go out and have that open dialogue with business users in order to understand how we're going to get them onto the, on the path and journey. Thank you, Jay. That's a great segue for me to look at Alan Kranz's notes. Alan, I want to talk about the benefits. We've been talking about how to get there. Let's talk about why you should get there. And I love the comment Jay just made about asking business people, wouldn't you love X, Y, Z? We can now give it to you. Alan, I'm looking at your notes, and you say efficiency and standardization are huge. Moving workloads out of the internal IT prerogative into off-premise data centers many times increases efficiency. The quality of cloud services now available, including in memory options can enhance the overall performance. Let's talk about the big benefits to companies. Why should they even want to go there? Alan? Yeah, absolutely, because I think what we've seen in terms of what's driving especially larger companies to cloud has changed a lot. It started with a big focus on cost and and cost reduction and offsetting costs through an OPEX model, Uh, but now with the types of services that are available, and I think in memory more and more is one that you know, you'll see this draw as a result of um, that um, it really becomes more about what's possible with these services that all of a sudden um, you don't have to, not only do you not have to build it and maintain it, um, but also you don't need to go through a whole technology rollout retraining within your organization. Uh, you can benefit from the technology that the provider is, is put in place and, and can provide over the Internet um, and think about what you can do with it. And, and really interesting comment in terms of asking the business, what would you do if you had this? Because I think that's one case where 
you're starting to see on the business side, geez, with this technology that's available, what can we do in terms of new campaigns, new services? What do we what what would we want to know about our customers that we can't today? You know, that would feed into a whole different approach to the way that we're um, going to market or uh, packaging up our products and services. Um, and so you can start to really a lot of the onus is now on the business users to say, hey, this is available. Um, what can you do with it that not just uh, we can deliver it at a low cost, but you can actually go out and um, drive results for the business. And so I think in terms of the benefits, the real benefits for a lot of these cloud services and in-memory is really pushing this concept is, you know, what should you be doing it? What could you do now that the technology is available and possible um, and accessible in a way that is very quick and agile? Uh, there's not a whole long ramp up in terms of that side. Um, and so the business is really kind of stewing in a lot of ways in terms of what are the use cases that um, are going to deliver the, the best results for, for the business. It sounds like the makings of a good partnership, Alan, between the IT side and the business side. Let's say a business user is aware, reads, and hears, and takes classes and finds out what those opportunities are. Yes, we can. Why aren't we? And goes to IT and says, let's, let's put our heads together and let's make this happen. Is there an excitement about this, Alan? Are you seeing companies saying, wow, look what we can do. Let's make it happen. It doesn't have to be a 10- or 20-year project. It can be very soon and very cost-effective. How fast are companies... Uh, coming on board? I mean, a lot of it is, so, you know, we've talked about the long transformation and the strategic planning. Um, mm -hmm. For a lot of the companies that we're interacting with, it can take place in a very agile way. You know, for instance, a lot of it initially uh, in the early stages can take place in the marketing um, aspect where, you know, before to do a, a microsite or to uh, deliver uh, mobile advertisements, that type of thing, took a lot in terms of technology. Um, now, you know, so they've they've gone through a cycle of spinning out a lot of pitches, a lot of campaigns very quickly. Um, and the natural progression is to say, you know, the limitation is no longer how long it takes to build the technology to support this. The limitation is making sure that we're picking and choosing the right times, the right campaigns, mm -hmm. and really looking at those business metrics uh, because the technology is there. It's incumbent upon the, the marketers in this case to be more strategic about how they're using it so that it truly does tie back to this whole um, virtuous cycle of, you know, returns on, on the investments they're making and making the best use of their limited time um, because the technology a lot of times is no longer the limitation. Thank you. All good information. Yofi Matthew, talk to me. Yes. Who's that, Jay? Uh, Go I, ahead. I, I, yeah, I want to build on that because that's such a good point. Please. Because mm -hmm. one thing that we are finding out that technology alone transformation is mm -hmm. not enough. You, you've got to, you know, you, we can come in, uh, any organization can come in and, and take care of the technical work streams to enable a platform, but that does not transform the business and that, and that does not get the highest value of ROI. So it really has to be that joint effort between what we're doing on the technology side and how we're going to transform the business. Great point. Thank you very much. Yofi, join us. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, I just wanted to uh, add on to what Alan was uh, mentioning earlier. You know, earlier we, we need to do certain things and then we figure out what really happens after the fact. Now people can actually look at it and say, let me simulate what's going to happen and let, let's see what exactly is going to happen before it really happens. 
And now business can actually see, okay, this is how it's going to really look like. So I'm, I like what I'm seeing, so let's, let's go forward and implement it. And then you have a better predictability of what's the effect of doing something. Then earlier, we don't really know what happens. We only get it after the fact. And, and that's actually, you know, th that's major attribute of in-memory technology, what I'm mentioning about. Now, cloud is a different aspect. Uh, when we talk about both in-memory and cloud, I think, you know, I, I agree with uh, Jay's point that it needs to be a journey together done by both IT and business because it's a change. It's a paradigm shift for uh, for the business, right? So, so, the, so the business needs to have the buy-in along with IT for this change to really happen effectively. Thank you. Alan, any comments on what Yofi and Jay just added? No, I mean, I think the last angle to this is that um, a lot of what we're seeing in terms of the interest in cloud and the uh, the in-memory use cases, a lot of it is, is coming back to the, the vertical industry and making it relevant, um, you know, getting it clo as close as you can down to a market of one in terms of the types of solutions and types of use cases for these technologies. So we're, we're seeing more customers really looking for solutions that, get them closer and, that, you know, starting with the, the industry that they're in, whether it's retail or financial services, uh, the types of use cases and, and business examples, um, we're seeing more interest in are very helpful for them in terms of transforming on the business side in terms of how best to use and how best to, to measure and implement the, the solutions, whether it's cloud or in memory, that are available. Thank you. Yofi Matthew, I'm looking at your notes from before the show. I see something I don't think we've talked about yet. You say we will. what we will see is the majority of companies will have hybrid environments. I don't think we've discussed it or mentioned it even very briefly during the conversation so far on the show today. Uh, you say hybrid will be the new reality. There will be some existing on-premise solutions that companies are comfortable with and integrated with cloud solutions. So why don't you talk to us about the journey? Is the goal of the journey to do pure cloud? Is it to do a sane stretching of the infrastructure from on-premise to incorporate cloud? Is it eventually to go pure cloud? What do you see? I think we started this topic a little earlier. When it is a brand new startup, it's so mm -hmm. easy for them to start with cloud. There's yes. nothing legacy, right? But when we look at large organizations, they have built a lot of legacy systems, which probably some of them are very effective and they are very comfortable with that. So there will be a resistance, or they, they don't have a big business case to immediately change that to a cloud solution. But they will also have a lot of new solutions which they will start in cloud. So these solutions needs to work in tandem. So the cloud solutions or some of the legacy solutions which is not really effective on-premise might move to cloud. So the new solutions and some of the migrated solutions which happens in cloud and then they have a lot of in-house in solutions or, or very stable solutions, which is mm -hmm. working very effectively on-premise and they're very comfortable with. And they might have a little bit of resistance because they might have some concerns moving it over to cloud from on-premise due to whatever reasons, whether it is uh, data security issues or performance or whatever. So in that case, what will happen is a, a bunch of solutions will work on cloud, plus other solutions will work on-premise and this needs to work together. So that's where the hybrid comes. You know, you need to integrate the cloud solutions with whatever is there as on-premise solutions. 
and and today's technology that's possible it, it is possible to integrate this pretty nicely so that's where i say you know the, going forward we will see a lot of hybrid scenarios and that will be the new reality and you will see more and more shifting towards cloud but still there will be an on premise uh, um, solution which which will be existing for a long time in a lot of major custom uh, major major businesses Thank you, Yofi. Sounds like we're talking again about people, not just legacy systems, but you mentioned the comfort level and the fear of risk, et cetera, et cetera. So I was talking about laggards. Well, maybe there's a way to keep them comfortable, keep the on-premise chugging along while you're working on cloud solutions for parts of your company and then make that, as Jay said, the journey, those uh, work streams segue, move, do it in a smooth and organized fashion so that there's no fear and, and the risk is mitigated. Jay Ford, you want to comment yeah, on I this part? I want to add one more point. Um, you just mentioned oh, yeah, the go journey. Ahead, and th- and mm-hmm. You just mentioned the journey, and that's exactly right. So as the journey continues, you will see more and more on-premise might moving to cloud, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's a journey, and it's a long-term journey. So you will, you will see the graph shifting towards on-cloud. Okay. Jay Ford, yep. comment? Thank you, Yofi. Sure, I, and, I, and I agree completely. I, I think that how the journey is going to look to companies is going to depend on where their starting point. Um, as Yofi mentioned, I mean, if you're a startup and, you're, and you can start, start from scratch, of course you can go ahead and leverage innovation with a lot less risk because you're, you're, you're starting with innovation. Um, for organizations that are fairly mature, that have decades of proprietary systems and all sorts of different vendors that have sold them different types of point solutions and customization along the way, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a harder journey. They, they have to really think through the impact and the dependencies. Um, and this is where that hybrid scenario comes mm-hmm. in. You know, sometimes maybe it makes sense to move things out into, into cloud solutions or into in-memory solutions where they can get the most impact but still have a way to, to um, interface with some of those other systems or things that might be on-premise. Uh, this all comes down to cost analysis, and it comes down to doing the due diligence. Thank you. Alan Kranz, thoughts? Um, yeah, and just to kind of put, you know, all of this in perspective, when we look at mm-hmm. the total market for IT, when you look at how big cloud is as a percentage, you're talking about 5 to 10% of that overall market. So the... The majority of customer spend today continues to go to traditional on-prem infrastructure applications, middleware. Um, and so we are looking at a transition over time as cu- more customers make that journey. But I agree, I don't expect the market to ever look like you know, 90% cloud and 10% traditional. There's going to continue to be a mixture, um, and not just because there's legacy that's going to be refreshed, but for some use cases, traditional is going to remain the, the best if it's stable um, and it needs to be local uh, and it, it's very chatty or there's a lot of connections to other services, that may never move to the cloud. Uh, it may be refreshed over time, um, but I think just keeping that in perspective that for most customers, we do not expect you know, the, the, the majority of their services to move um, to cloud over the next five years, and that it's going to be truly be a long-term journey in terms of establishing the best use cases for all of the delivery methods that are available. And in the end, most customers are going to end up with a hybrid that uh, mixes the different flavors of cloud with um, with tr- traditional on-prem services uh, in the end. Thank you. 
I have a question for the whole panel. We haven't talked about industries. We haven't talked about geolocations. We're talking uh, in a very, very broad brush, high-level be- high business conversation about companies, amorphous companies, big ones, smart startups, anything in between. Are there any trends? I'll throw this out to the whole panel. Any trends you're seeing in terms of which companies are being, which industries, which parts of the world are the boldest, are the ones moving forward, changing that company culture and thinking cloud, yes, in memory, yes yes, let's get behind this and let's do it now. In other words, where are these pockets of early adopters? Anybody can identify anything for us, Jay or Alan or, or Yofi? Well, Bonnie, I'm, I'm happy to kind of jump in because I, I think where we yes. see the most innovation and and drive is companies that have to be the highest competitiveness. You know, in retail, mm-hmm. uh, they know that if, if their competitor comes in and, and is able to leverage innovation in a way that helps be, helps them have a closer connection to their customers or do a solution that, that, that helps them sell their products better, that they can become quickly obsolete. So they're always very quick to try to drive things that are going to help them be more competitive. Alan, any thoughts? Yeah, I agree in retail. I think we're also seeing um, some interesting adoption with private cloud around healthcare um, as mm. a market where there's a lot of you know, if you look at the maturity in terms of IT, that's that's been a laggard for a long time. Um, and so with some of the industry cloud solutions and private cloud solutions, uh, you know, we've been surprised in terms of how they're using this to, um, you know, there, there's a couple of use cases that I think that around health records as well as um, remote uh, diagnosis and, and uh, care delivery that makes sense and, and solves some problems. Um, and so we're seeing more use cases in terms of the, the healthcare side. Thank you. Yofi, any thoughts? Uh, we have retail, yeah, I, we have healthcare. I, I, what do you see? No, I agree on, on retail and healthcare, and, and I, I think that other industries are slowly catching up um, in, in, in the case of in-memory technology. I think cloud, there could be some industries might be slow to adopt due to various concerns, but I think in, when we talk about in-memory technology, the other industries are also uh, picking up. Okay. I have one more point I'm pulling from some notes from Yofi Matthew before we move into the predictions round. And I'll give you each, I'll try to keep a minute for each of you to have your day in the sun for the uh, crystal ball section. But uh, Yofi, we've talked positively, we've talked encouragingly and enthusiastically about moving to the cloud and in memory. But I'm reading your notes here and you say cloud certainly has lots of benefits in terms of scalability, automatic software patches, etc. But it has its disadvantages. And you mentioned two here, security issues. I think that's always looming. And scheduled mm-hmm. downtime may not match the in-house schedule. These could be negative points of cloud solutions. You quickly want to give us a little insight to how much is there a fear of security? Is it getting mitigated and, and is it off the table or is it still a big uh-oh for companies moving to cloud? <coughs> Again, you know, security could be mitigated. I think, you know, different cloud providers are actually um, putting the data centers in, in a, a geographic location close to the close to the businesses. Um, it, it might be a little overblown due to various other geopolitical issues, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, still that poses as a, as, a, as a concern that, you know, your data is not within your premise, it's with somebody else's premise. So how is the data really protected? You know, that, that, that concern will be always there, but I'm, I'm sure... The, the providers are actually taking enough steps to alleviate those uh, those concerns. Um, I, I think again, being a new technology, there will be initially uh, there will be a lot of concerns initially. But over time, I feel that the concerns will be addressed and and people will be becoming um, more confident on on the on the process and the technology than 
these concerns will be very minimal eventually. Thank you. Jay Ford, quick comments on security issues or scheduling issues? Thoughts? Well, certainly I think, you know, we, the technology has come a long way when it comes to this. So, um, you know, those that were hesitant because of those, because of those different types of reasons, we need to reevaluate the technology and, and, and also, you know, some of the requirements within the organization and just see where, where the right fit is and, and if the time is right for them. Thank you. Alan Kranz, thoughts? Yeah, I think we've seen more organizations um, after doing their due diligence around the cloud solutions that are available. Um, a lot of them candidly come back and say, compared with the process and technology that we had or continue to have for internal workloads, that it's, it's as good or better. Um, and so I think it has come a long way, and you're starting to see more comfort in terms of the, um, the security provisions that are provided. Uh, we're seeing more focus now on the, on the network in terms of performance and security as, you know, you start to tie together internal data centers with, with external data centers. And so I think that's where more of the, the risk and, and focus is shifting. Thank you. Guess what? I saved a minute for each of you for the crystal ball prediction. So, Jay Ford, let's kick it off with you. Can you see clearly to the year 2020? Jay, you know that's my favorite year for looking ahead, but it doesn't have to be for you. So why don't you give me one-minute predictions of if we met again in fill-in-the-blank 2020 or whenever, what would be different about this conversation in terms of in-memory and cloud computing, changing the corporate culture, taking the journey, balancing hybrid on-prem and off-prem, uh, dealing with security issues, who's going to be tasked with it, how does business talk to IT, all of these great issues we put on the table today. What do you see in the future? Jay Ford, one-minute predictions, go. Thank you, Bonnie. So I think at that point we will, we will have seen that a lot of the things we're talking about as being innovation today having become much more just a commodity part of the overall solution, uh, not even really seen as innovation, but as a necessity to help them drive their, their business and their organization. Um, I think we will see companies understand that the journey that they've been on was not just about innovation, but it was also about finding equilibrium and then inside of their organization, equilibrium across costs, resources, ROI, uh, of course, innovation, risk management. Uh, and being able to get all those pieces to fit in the right way that fits their culture and helps them scale as an organization. Thank you. Great predictions. Alan Kranz, I can give you a whole minute and maybe even a minute and a half. Take 90 seconds because Jay went a little bit short. So, Alan Kranz, 90 seconds. How far in the future can we see with you? Perfect. So, if we look out to, to 2020, I think you're going to see uh, in memory really at the stage where, where cloud computing is today. Um, in that there's going to be more accessibility in terms of, you know, I think a lot of the cloud-delivered in-memory options are still kind of emerging at this point. Um, so I think it's a stage process of as they become more mature, as more of the use cases roll out over the next five years, um, you're going to see a tremendous push in terms of how to integrate that into to business process, starting with the technology. I think a lot of the, the next... Uh, set of issues we think that are going to uh, come in over the next five years is going to be the network in terms of if you one of the benefits of in-memory is this real-time speed. So when you mix that with cloud, all of a sudden all of the distribution pipes in terms of data back and forth between those data centers are going to become the bottleneck. And so you're going to see a lot of focus. You're already seeing it from vendors uh, like AT&T and Verizon in terms of filling that gap between data centers. Uh, and so I think after coming through that obstacle, 
You're going to see a lot of customers looking at the best use for in-memory use cases. Uh, we don't believe it's going to be a majority of, of how they're processing data and storing data, um, but the onus is going to be back on the line of business in terms of how, how to really implement this in a way that optimizes the returns that they're get with the technology that's available. Thank you, Alan Kranz. Yofi, Matthew, I saved one whole minute for you for predictions. Go ahead. Yep. What I feel is um, in-memory technology will be gaining momentum, and, and that will, be, will not be an exception. It will be a new normal uh, when we look at 2020. And people will be people will be very, very, uh, uh, it will be pretty normal for people to be expecting real-time information than, than latent information. Right now, the reality is it's latent information, but in 2020, I think everybody will be, will be entitled to have uh, real-time information. And I, will see, I, I, I feel that the cloud adoption rate will, will be increasing, and I will probably see, again, it's going to be a hybrid, but at least 50% or more uh, uh, solutions will be actually cloud-based. And it is not just for organizations, even for personal use. We will start using a lot of cloud-based solutions even for personal use. So uh, overall, I think the, the cloud market is certainly going to have a bit more momentum. In-memory technology will also gain a lot more momentum. And the new normal will be actually in-memory technology in cloud. Thank you, Yofi Matthew. Great conversation. Jay Ford at SAP, Alan Kranz at TBR, Yofi Matthew at SAP. And a thank you to our sponsor, Dave Fowler, who has been tweeting. Dave, your fingers must be tired. You've just been tweeting endlessly because our panel gave you such great sound bites to share at hashtag SAP Radio. I could do some predictions of my own. Starting this coming Monday, April 20th, we are coming back with Financial Excellence with Game Changers, launching Season 4. Yes, they're coming back. Great CIO topics. Tuesdays, we go between Digital World with Game Changers and Transforming Your Business at 10 a.m. Eastern. Tuesdays at 12 noon, we flip-flop with Business Innovation with Game Changers, Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers next week, and Game Changing Women. Had a great show this week on women in tech, decoding diversity. Wednesdays, of course, we're here with Coffee Break with Game Changers, our ongoing flagship show. And Thursdays, it's a four-part share starting today. Future of Business, Season 3, Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, Season 2, brand new series, Meet the Visionary Game Changers, launches in a couple weeks and Internet of Things with Game Changers Season 2. Happy to have them all on board. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt, especially if you're on the way to the cloud. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.